crazy. Here I grew up a whole entire world away from you. And end up exactly like you. Lying, cheating, backstabbing gigolo. But you know what? I don't think I want to be like you anymore. Maybe I'll see you in hell then. No powers, man. Tag team and a couple of she-devils. I got two hard rules I live by, Pop. I don't fuck with the devil, and I never do tag teams with blood relatives. Take it easy, old man. to another edition of Papa's Basement. I am your host, John Papa Giorgio, and tonight is just going to be me. You heard it. My very first solo shift, doing it without the Atomic Kate, doing it without Veronica, doing it even without Will. I've lost them all somehow. Every single one of them's turned on poor Papa. Not 100% the truth. A couple of them are a little pissy with me right now. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Because trust me, I got nothing else to do. I just got stories to eat some fucking time for you guys. By the way, this wasn't recorded live, so I get to be very, very dirty. Which hopefully will, God help us, make this all go a little smoother. If you want to get a hold of me via Twitter, I'm at Papa's Basement. Show website in Papa'sBasement.com. Find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Papa's Basement. And I, I think that's it for the, uh, the the getting to know me, getting to find me spiel that I got to toss out there. I'll be honest, I wasn't looking forward so much to coming in and do this thing. Because it's probably, probably as brutal for me to do as it is for you to listen to. It's a little weird having no one, absolutely no one, to talk to, to stare in, stare at, stare in and be a little gynecological. A little weird having no one to actually converse with you while you're you're talking. You're just having, in essence, a conversation with yourself. I blew half my goddamn day watching whatever the fuck I could find football-wise. First, it was that debacle of a Skins game that I'll be getting to momentarily. Then it was some Giants 49ers. If you want to see two fucking teams that can actually do something in the NFL, those guys are bringing it love seeing the 49ers actually be good for the first time since i sprouted a pube and then i i stuck around i I figured maybe just maybe i'll get off my fat ass in time to do this pardon me do this a little early and i'll skip the pats jets game but how the fuck do you skip that i love that fat sloppy foot fetishist rex ryan Find the guy intriguing, even if he's a a titanic asshole. Lord knows I hate the Pats. That they could have gone on a three-game losing streak, I couldn't pass it up. I just couldn't say no. And so I sat there, and I fucking knew, I fucking knew that the Jets weren't going to get it done. And they took three and a half, four goddamn hours to make that obvious Took until the middle of the fourth quarter to really shit the bed. My entire night down down the crapper, I think this was about 11.30 p.m. I'm recording 12.30 right now. 
really the highlight of the game was this ref by the name of a Gene Steratore, an Italian. It's actually pronounced Steratore, I guess, but uh, Al Michaels and Pat didn't want to ethnic up the show, so they kept referring to him as Steratore. And this guy gets smashed in the nose, maybe middle of the first quarter, somewhere in that time range. And he just has this random trickle of blood that's just just coming out of the side of his nose. And no one does a damn thing. And of course, he's Italian. So it's a big, noticeable nose. It's fucking glorious to look at. And as the night goes on, his nose is getting bloodier and bloodier. It's like he's doing lines at the shitter in Studio 54. It, I don't know why no one wiped him down. If you guys saw the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I hope it's on YouTube tomorrow. Because I couldn't fucking turn away. It was so goddamn funny to me. I don't know why I fixate upon weird shit like that. But when a game's going, slowly but surely, the, the way you know it's going to go, the Jets botched it near the end of the first half. Never looked that in it afterwards. Really just... Gave it away in the fourth. Just brutal to watch. Again, as brutal as I'm sure this is to listen to. But screw you. I'm putting a podcast out there whether you like it or not. So I'm sitting in bed and I'm watching this. And I'm like, God damn it. I guess I gotta get out there to the studio and record something. And I don't want to, but I gotta. Otherwise, I'm gonna be hearing about how I didn't put anything out. I'll have to spend the whole day writing putting out my Redskins article a day early. I'll be behind the eight ball the whole week for articles because I like the coast. I like to just put out the podcast Monday and then I write everything a day in advance. And I hate it when I have to write it and release it like 3 p.m. that day. I'm not going to get any traffic and it's not worth it. So I get out of bed and as I pull out right outside my neighborhood, sitting at a stop sign, a guy goes by on his bicycle obviously hammered as shit. I wish I could give you an ethnicity for the purposes of stereotyping. He was something dusky. I'm going to go with a light brown. Going to go with an African-American here, but could have easily been a Latino. The guy is shit-faced. Lurched across the front of the bike, wobbling. And it wasn't until I pulled out that I realized he wasn't even in either side of the road, on either side of the road, he was just trying to like keep his tire between the two yellow middle lines. And I'm like, holy fucking God, that guy is faced. And as I pull out, I notice a pair of headlights behind me. And because I'm so paranoid about getting pulled, I've had many, many tickets. It's something I don't get into on the air much, but my insurance is a wreck. I get speeding tickets left and right. I'm on the road constantly. I'm looking behind me, and I'm like, those look like Crown Vic headlights. I wonder if he caught that fine man of an ethnic persuasion drunk on his bike. I I wonder if he caught sight of that as well. And not two seconds later, the guy hangs a hard U-turn, guns it behind the man on the bike, and flips on 
his siren, and the lights. And so I want you to know once and for all, if you ever thought it was any kind of urban legend, you can indeed get a DUI for riding on a bike shit-faced because I watched it go down not 30 minutes ago, and it was glorious. I almost crashed myself because I had tears in my eyes watching a guy have to dismount drunk from his bike. Did I turn around to get a gander of what was going on? Yes. That's how I'm able to tell you this guy got the DUI. It was worth getting out of the home just for that. And now I'm here and I'm recording. We can talk about the Redskins. And how they broke my goddamn heart again today. As they're wont to do. For those that don't keep up with the Redskins or live outside the D.C. area, I think, and by think, I mean I know, we're a laughing stock. We are, outside of D.C., the Redskins are considered one of those gimme games, like against, I don't know, the Cleveland Browns. Trying to think of someone who's been as historically bad as long as the skins off the top of my head after the Browns I'm drawing a blank I guess maybe the current Seahawks with Pete Carroll at the helm they've been pretty shit I guess the Dolphins have been something of a gimme for a while as bad as the Bills were up until this year maybe not Detroit bad but in that bottom six teams in the league and we in the city every year refuse to believe that going into the season we cannot help ourselves we are convinced that something great is going to happen something has changed even if we're not aware of it we can't articulate it but something god damn it is going to change we got shanahan last year he was going to change things we got donovan mcnab last year that was going to change things and nothing changes Several seasons now, they've started off strong and have been fucking poison after the first five or so games of the year. And it makes it that much worse. It makes it that much more gut-wrenching every fucking year because you think, well, they're starting with momentum. They got something going, goddammit. And they don't. It's just to build up hope. And to crush you. And it works every goddamn year. I fall for it every time. I like to think I'm cynical and I don't have a heart and I don't care. But I do. Oh, oh, how I do. Those first five, six games of the season, they're always starting off three and one, four and two. Neck and neck for the the NFC East. And then the bottom falls out. And it kind of takes different forms, different years. I would say this year, due to the fact we're so thin roster-wise, a couple key injuries have knocked us down several tiers, power ranking-wise. And then there's the fact, the small fact, we don't have a quarterback. Just, Just kind of a key position in this league last time I checked. 
and we're without one. Oh, we, we technically have two. But there's the age-old saying, when you got two quarterbacks, you got none, and damn if we aren't proving it this year. So against the Dolphins, Mike Shanahan puts in Rex Grossman at the helm. And it was the same, I dare I call it a vintage Rex performance. Some throws that were that were exciting, that gave you a little hope. And then a couple turnovers that just crushed the entire fucking day. And so, yes, we became the Dolphins' second win. Which I'm trying to be cool about. I am trying to be objective about. Because the Skins didn't have a chance this year. Once they started rattling off those losses and the NFC East slipped out of their grasp really nothing good was going to happen this year so why really be a bitch about them losing but it still sucks it still sucks to see them go down like that i cannot disassociate myself from the pain of seeing them lose close game blowout i don't care it's still horrible and the bitch of it all is they, they won enough at the very beginning of the season that they're not going to be in the hunt for Andrew Luck. They got nothing there. I don't know who the fuck they're going to pick up with their draft pick. Obviously a quarterback. Probably do poorly with the, the choice. I don't know, man. It's a wreck. The only thing that I can look forward to every Sunday as of late are these regional ads. I I guess they're only aired during the Skins games, otherwise it wouldn't make sense, that feature the Geico caveman acting opposite Brian Orakpo, Redskins outside linebacker, I guess one of our biggest defensive names. And for about three weeks, four weeks, mm, longer, Probably since the start of the season, so I'm going to go with eight weeks. There's there's the old math ticker doing its thing. It's been an ad featuring the caveman confronting Brian Arakpo, who's got every bit the acting ability you figure in. Teenaged, not teenaged, but man in his early 20s, an outside linebacker is going to have. And he's confronting him because Brian offered to get him on the field, and Brian has made good on that offer, but it turns out, ha ha ha, it's as a cheerleader. And so the guy cocave man's dressed as a cheerleader. How amazing. I, I'm in stitches each time. What makes it so watchable is how fucking bad Brian Arakpo's acting is. Every time it comes on, the guy, I don't, I want to say he's pretty much got the acting ability of a corpse. He's in that. That tear. It's so bad. So bad. And I'm going to include a, a YouTube link to both of the videos in question. Because we've been treated to a second Geico video featuring Brian Arakpo. And this one stars him again with the caveman. And they're playing a game of Scrabble together. And it begins with Arakpo laying down, you know what, 
let me just play the audio for you now. That's a word? A recpo. It's another word for sack. All right. Read them and weep. Hmm. Impressive. How about this? Neanderthal? <laughs> Brian, your words are hurtful. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking the bus, and you will not see me at the pancake social tomorrow. Geico. Okay, so it begins with Brian Arakpo saying, Arakpoed is a verb. Synonym for sack. And it ends with Arakpo dropping Neanderthal. And, and the caveman is, is not happy about that. Because I, correct me if I'm wrong, it's supposed to come off as some equivalent of the N-bomb. To me, that's a little strange for that commercial. I'm not going to lie. I, I wish they had the balls to have the caveman say something along the lines of, hey, while we're hurling hurtful N-words out there, and then at least his, his hands maybe reach for the pieces and Arakpo shoots him a dirty look, meet me halfway, Geico. Give me something like that. All right. Time to shift gears. And I want to get into the embarrassing truth by why I'm doing this show alone today. And with the girls, it's no big deal. Veronica called me ahead of time. She said, hey, I'm getting my hair done. Is it cool if I take off this weekend? And I said, sure, what the fuck? You know, I'm not to sound like a dick, and I didn't say this to her face, and she'll never listen to the show, so I think we're okay. But she's a woman who's just hit 31. It's It's all borrowed time here on out. She's got to look pretty while she can and bag herself a man quickly. Kate, I contacted day of the show because that's the level of prep I put into this thing. And I said, hey, Kate, you ready to go? She said, shit, no. Shit, no, I'm doing something better with my day. And I said, God damn it. I wish (laughs) wish I had something to counter that with, but I'm sure whatever you're doing is better. So God bless. Enjoy your Xbox. And the usual standby of Will Pop Giorgio at Billy Basil. Well, Will wasn't at my disposal that day. Didn't care to come in. Blew me off. Because we got into a fight the night before at Red Lobster. And I know that sounds a little weird. No, that sounds a little random. Not exactly a place where people duke it out not saying we came to fisticuffs got a little heated though and I'm gonna tell you why I believe by the time you hear this the yearly red lobster endless shrimp will have ended and because the Papa Giorgio family is not exactly the most affluent family red lobster has since our childhood, since some of my earliest memories, been a workhorse restaurant for us. Every birthday, I I wish this were a joke, every birthday I can remember up until probably the age of 15, 
in that realm was spent with my family going to goddamn Red Lobster. I remember back in second grade, we all had to fill out forms the week of our birthday where we told people about the names of our pets, our favorite colors, favorite TV show, and one of the questions was favorite restaurant. And I remember thinking how fucking high cotton, how high class I was because every other little booger eater listed McDonald's, maybe a Burger King here or there, as their favorite restaurant. Not this man. Oh, no. I I thought I was the goddamn Continental because I listed Red Lobster back in the second grade as my favorite restaurant. Years later, I realized what a sad, white trash answer that was. But at the time... I, I thought I had everyone beat. I, I could not, I, I can't tell you how prideful I was for years, for years. It took so long to realize how trashy a restaurant Red Lobster truly is. But I don't give a shit because I love fried seafood and I love those fucking cheese biscuits. And I don't go there often. The family doesn't really do it anymore except during endless shrimp. It's the one time you can get that anorexic woman of a brother of mine to put any shitty food in his mouth. And we engage in a contest of sorts, a battle of the wills. Prideful, prideful battle to see who can crush more shrimp. And typically, he can go toe-to-toe with me. We, we get uh, kind of like the way you cut off ears. In Vietnam, to tally your kills, we keep a separate plate where we each keep our shrimp tails. And we're usually around the, the, the 80 souls devoured range. So Friday night, my mom arranged for us to have our yearly endless shrimp family event. And I was psyched. I didn't eat for hours ahead of time, and goddamn, I love food. So this was murder to me. I was looking to put a fucking whipping on that plate. I wanted to bury Will. I wanted to get into the triple digits. I was told by my mom that I was to be at Red Lobster 815. I was taking her with me. So I planned my entire day around this. I wrapped up the gym a little earlier than I would have liked. It kind of, it might seem like defeating the purpose of the gym to then go to Red Lobster, put down roughly 4,500 calories worth of shrimp, but I like to think of it as protein. And if I've lifted ahead of time, I've earned it. It's rebuilding muscle tissue. The six pounds of breading also clogging up my colon, that's, that's a different matter. I can excuse the shrimp, though. So we finally get there promptly at 8.15. And Will, of course, is supposed to be there as well. He's the one who picked this 8.15 time, apparently. And I sit there, 
and they put the cheese biscuits, those delicious garlicky cheese biscuits in front of me, but no will. And I think, wow, what a selfish motherfucker. Who could do this to someone? Who could have them shape their entire day around an event, cut short everything else he wants to do, and then not show up? How selfish can you get? And I should be happy, because it's shrimp time. I'm going to get my shrimp on, like five minutes. I've got the cheese biscuits already there, even though I'm not going to touch them at first, because that's a fool's trap. It's how you gum up your stomach, and all of a sudden you're not as hungry for the shrimp. Every Red Lobster veteran knows, you nibble, you have one biscuit, you wrap the rest in a napkin, shove it in your jacket... Do that two or three times, you, you're eating like a king for a week. So it's 825. And no will. And I'm starting to get a little salty. I'm starting to turn to my mom and say things like, Who the motherfuck does he think he is? How dare he have us come out and then show up even this late, even 10 minutes. That's a little disrespectful. And rather than side with me and figure that, hmm, you know what? Maybe this is a little shitty on Will's part. She first throws out disaster scenarios because that's how my mother's brain, and I'm sure everyone else's mother how their brain as well works. So it's not just that Will's late and being somewhat disrespectful. It's that, John, you watch your mouth. He could have easily been in a car accident, and now I'm worried. Which blows my mind, because how is she even able to think about his safety when we're just a pussy hair away from all the shrimp we can eat? Yet she can. I guess that's why she's a good mom. You could have told me he was on fire in the parking lot. I wouldn't have batted a fucking eye. I would just be like, hey, he's here. Then get the shrimp going. He can roll around. He'll figure it out. Throw him in the fucking lobster tank. I don't care. Put him out. Get him at my table. Get my fried shrimp. Get my scampi. And I want to order shrimp linguine. Ready to go when I finish those two plates. Because that's how it works. After you crush your initial two, you only get one plate at a time. They pace you. Oh, they, they, they love pacing you. Then it's 8.35. And by this time, I've lost it. This is some Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde shit. I am twirling the knife. Picturing driving it right through his neck. I am livid. And my mom begins to turn on me. Which blows my fucking mind. Because to me, as an adult, if you say you're going to be somewhere and you're a man, an adult man, a woman gets away with whatever. Because she's a vagina. So they can do whatever the fuck until their looks are gone. Then <laughs> they better be punctual. 
But to me, you show up when you say you're going to show up. And if you don't make it there, that's just a gross disrespect to everyone you got around. And then it's 840, and we finally get a call from Will. And he states, he's just finished up a job, roughly 25 minutes from the restaurant, and he's on his way now, and hangs up. And I lose it. I stand up right at the table, in front of our docile Chinese waitress, and I say, fuck this, I'm gone. And my mom instantly kicks in with the waterworks. But I don't care. To me, it's a gross affront to me. And I can't take it. I'm not going to sit there and wait another 25 minutes ordering my shrimp as my mom lays into me for caring more about food than my brother. Because, hey, something bad could have happened. Even though we goddamn know nothing bad happened. We live in Northern Virginia. MS-13 didn't come along and machete off his fucking hands. He's going to be fine. And I get up. And it was like Sophie's choice. It was either my pride or the shrimp. And I chose my pride. And I walk out. And apparently he showed up 15 minutes later. Was blown away that I had left. Also doesn't partake in the shrimp. Very pissed at me that I had left and goes home, drops off our mother. It turns out, so she claims, I don't really know, that she botched the information given her. That Will had said, actually, I'm simply going to call whenever I'm done, whenever I'm ready to go to the restaurant, and you guys are going to show up then. Which to me, you're a grown man, you know your schedule, still a cunty move. But if that is the case, the onus of the blame now lies with one Maria Papa Giorgio. And that's why I'm doing a solo show at one in the morning on Monday. And Will is ignoring my calls all weekend to come into the studio and record together. Because we lost our shit through a miscommunication trying to eat endless shrimp together. It's maybe the most embarrassing fucking thing I've ever confessed to on this show. But it's the God, God's honest truth. How I wish, how I wish I had something better to tell you, but no. I simply don't want to write. I'm sick of not giving you guys a show when I can't get anyone else in the studio. I wanted to see just how this would go, have a bit of a grand experiment, doing it solo. Hopefully, hopefully the emotions will have uh, simmered down in the coming week, and we can heal the wounds of endless shrimp, and we'll have a nice family show, and we can discuss it all calmly like gentlemen on the air next week. But until then, you're stuck with me, Telling you how endless shrimp can rend a family apart. Speaking of unbelievable tragedies, I'd like to talk about the Jerry Sandusky affair, what took place past a uh, couple weeks at this point. 
over at Penn State. I've written a, a little about it on inpapasbasement.com earlier in the week when it seemed that Joe Paterno was going to survive the crisis. And then the next day when he was removed from power and why I, I agreed with the move. For those unfamiliar with everything that took place, over at the Penn State football program, their previous, God, I guess the guy was released back in 99, kind of with the no one knowing why at the time, but apparently because they'd busted this guy touching kids. But Jerry Sandusky was the defensive coordinator for the Penn State football program. And he was caught at one point anally raping a kid in a shower by then graduate assistant Mike McQuarrie, which, sorry, I'm not a big enough man to not laugh when I hear a guy named Query catches two dudes fucking. Now, it wasn't consensual. It wasn't two man. It was a man on a little boy. And the guy's raping the fucking kid. Destroying his goddamn life. I mean, there's no way you come back from that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If anyone who's a fan has been molested, don't want to talk about I don't know how you get on with your life after that has been done to you. After an adult has betrayed your trust to that extent, I don't know how you go on. But that's not exactly lighthearted or funny, so let's move on from that. What's happened in the wake of uh, all this coming to light is, uh, honestly, the entire football program has been scoured, I want to say. Every every staff member, or at least every top staff member, has lost their job, including Joe Paterno, who had been coach of the team for goddamn 46 years. So long, I, he could probably refer to the, the black players as colored when he first started. I, I don't know. That's a long fucking amount of time. And what's killing me, what's really getting to me about this, obviously, no one wants to hear about kids getting touched. That part bugs the shit out of me. But I think it's... It's the condescending attitudes of everyone who hears the story and hears that Mike McQuarrie saw Jerry Sandusky raping a kid and did nothing more than talk to his dad about it and then report it to some guys above him. Maybe Joe Pa directly. I'm, I'm forgetting because that's, that's how good my show prep is. But it got back to Joe Pa. Got back to Joe Paterno. Mike did not inform the police. And Joe Paterno didn't inform the police and instead informed his athletic director, which technically, allegedly, is all he legally had to do, which sounds weird to me, but I guess maybe you're not beholden to report people breaking the law and everything. I kind of thought you did. Like, if you saw your neighbors kill someone, Probably have to go to the cops with that. But maybe it falls under seeing your older brother smoking a doobie. I don't know. I don't goddamn know what the the laws regarding anally raping a child 
are. What's getting to me is everyone is stating how stupid McQuarrie and how stupid Joe Paterno were, how weak they were for not reporting this directly to the police and putting a stop to things when they could. And some people want to put a sinister spin on it, and they're very well might need to be a sinister spin on it because there very well may be a sinister motive for what they did. Maybe Mike McQuarrie didn't tell on anyone, didn't tell the cops because he figured this might fuck my career. This might be all I've ever wanted to do. And if I rat if I get Sandusky in trouble, I'm fucked. Think about me. Think about me as a broadcaster. I moved to New York, and I'm somehow working on the Howard Stern show. And I walk in one day, and I catch Howard with a 10-year-old sucking his dick. I could go to the cops, sure. Or I could keep quiet. And keep one hell of an ace in my pocket when he leaves the throne. And he needs someone to step into that show. That's obviously one hell of a hypothetical. But I think that is what some people are figuring Jerry, not Jerry Sandusky, Mike McQuarrie did. Didn't want to screw up his chances. With Joe Pa, they figure, what the fuck, he didn't want to screw up his program. So he pretty much turned his head. And he let a, a goddamn child molester serve in his ranks for years afterward. And what? For a goddamn game. For the game of football. I don't know if it's as cut and dry as that. Until you've been in that situation, I don't know. Until you have something so absurd and bizarre and otherworldly. I mean, there's no training for hey. When you see a guy who's your higher up, maybe a mentor to you, plowing a kid up the ass, this is what you do. We're not run through that scenario in everyday life. You'd like to think, you'd like to believe that your mind would be clear enough after having to process that data. But who the hell knows what you'd be thinking? You might, you might be looking for any reason to doubt what you saw you might start questioning yourself just because it's such a horrible thing to have to process did i really see that was that really going on did i did i imagine in any way maybe you look for an explanation for what could have gone you're like this guy is normal i I deal with him all the time there's no fucking way what i saw is what i saw and so maybe you do pass the buck a little Maybe you go, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to derail this guy's fucking career because of what I think I saw. And so, yeah, you just, you tell Joe Paterno. And what's Joe Paterno to think? Yeah, he, maybe he does process it, but maybe he's thinking, I've known this motherfucker 15 years, 20 years. I've never seen any hint of this. Like, Really? Maybe he just saw it as a loyalty thing to his friend. I, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to even articulate because I I can't run through that hypothetical. I've never had to hide or even be confronted with 
like a horrible, horrible behavior that my friends engaged in. The worst thing a friend's ever told me is that he likes pulling the David Carradine and like tying shit around his neck while jacking off. Not exactly something I'd have to run to the cops to. Now I just laugh about it and mock him for it when we drink together. Not in the same ballpark. But what drives me nuts is everyone who loves sitting in judgment of everyone involved here and thinking they would have done the right thing when they simply haven't been there. And I know you can continue that argument to its logical conclusion like, well, at at what point do we stop excusing someone's failure to report the law being broken? Like, if you see your dad murder someone, should you not report that? Well, it's pretty cut and dry. I'd like to think people can put two and two together on that shit. I just wish people weren't so quick to judge, so quick to assume they would do the right thing. Step up the show now. I want to thank you guys if you made it to the end. This was a nice experience for me. It was very interesting to see how the, the whole dynamic works out when it's just me talking into a mic, staring at my sound levels, bouncing at the sound of my voice. I was going to get into what went down the week before with that, mm, that girl was going to say something bad, rhymed with itch. That girl, Andy Rose, who was on the show the previous week, but I think that's a story better saved for when Will and the rest of the gang is back in a studio with me so we can properly tear into her the way I want us to. Suffice to say... What went on in the studio was just the tip of the iceberg. And that was a battle that uh, went on for a couple days afterward. Pretty fun. Pretty, pretty, pretty fun. If you want to get a hold of me via Twitter, it's at Papa's Basement. Show's website, again, containing my writing as well as archives. In Papa'sBasement.com. Find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Papa's Basement. So until next week, when I'm hopefully live and with the gang, broadcasting at fcac.org slash WEBR, I'm out of here. We're home free. School's out, baby. Good show. Nothing to talk about. Nothing to critique. Great show. Great guest tomorrow. You go home, have a glass of wine, whack off. I'll see you tomorrow. That's the post-show critique? Yeah. You're the best. It's my time to go. I successfully burned all my bridges. Nobody loves me, and I don't love nobody. Then <laughs> 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 he said penis. Then he said masturbation. Then he said vagina. <laughs> that was cool. Had a mighty hard time, but I'm on my way. Had a mighty hard time, but I'm on my way. It's a mighty hard climb, but-